0: It's a great privilege to be part of this sweep of series on Dwell. I believe that's the overall title of your Holy Spirit series. So thanks, Pete and Sam and Mike, wherever he is, um, for inviting us up to be with you. Um, I've been listening to the back sermons this last few weeks, and you really are thoroughly treating this well-deserved doctrine, the beautiful doctrine of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And uh, listening in on some of the stuff that's on your website, I thought I'd go a little bit off-piste, go down a black run, you skiers, and uh, do something a little bit different, but obviously coming um, very much fully into uh, thinking about how our lives are radically changed by being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to a a wonderfully dangerous little book in the Bible, right in the middle of your Bible, so here it's here it's now. Here, mate chapter 1, okay, so if you can bring it up, this might come up behind you. This is the Song of Songs, or the Song of Solomon. And um, here it is. And so if you want to just look at the screen or look at at your own Bible. Um, The reason that I want to talk about this is because it's about the bride. So Solomon has written this to the Shulamite woman. So on one level, it's a beautiful love story between a man and a woman. It's about the, the, the beauty of, of marriage, and of love in marriage. But at the same time, the ancient church fathers were very happy to see a glorious allegory going on here. Allegory being a metaphor for Christ and the church. And it's, it's, it's so full of Holy Spirit references. So I'm going off on a little bit of a, uh, a left field sermon today but I hope that it will bring together so many of the things you've been thinking about when you've been uh, having other preachers. So thank you for inviting me. I'd like to come back next weekend and see Grantley and Floss, who I know well, because they're just down the road from Norwich, which is a church I know very well, my old mate, Gough Hope, and Toby Skipper and others up in King's Community Church, Norwich, and Grantley and Gough are good mates. So the RN family is working well. You're doing well, pulling everybody down into Kent. Well done. Come on. Anyway. Let's crack into this. So this is a multi-layered allegory, okay? So I could go down the road of talking about Christian marriage. This is a very earthy song. Those of you who know this know this is, man, this is a hot book, okay? This is the hottest book in the Bible and uh, for very good reasons because um, we want Christian marriage to be beautifully exemplary of of a sacrificial love or husband for a wife and from a wife to a husband. There's a wonderful commentary that goes with the Song of Songs by uh, a man called Charlie Cleverly, and he's the, he was the rector of St. Aldate's in Oxford, and he's written this beautiful commentary. He says this in his introduction. At the heart of the Bible lies the Song of Songs, sandwiched between the sadness of Ecclesiastes and the comfort of the coming Christ in Isaiah, This song shines like a mysterious pearl in the sea. Blink, and you might miss it, so short are its 117 verses. And yet, for those who know it, it is the greatest song, the best of all songs, or simply the song of songs. I believe the song is the greatest song because it deals with the most important subject in life. This is the one thing needful, the one priority that matters in this transitory life our love relationship. We might even say love affair with the God of love. It explores an end to alienation and offers an answer to the existential ache and the yearning for connection in the heart of mankind. And so this song literally was a song. It would have been sung all week at a marriage festival in Israel Israelites wed- Israelite weddings lasted at least a week. I mean, What's this thing we do in England where we get everybody from all over the country, we have a knees up, and everybody disappears again the same day. Sorry, forgive me if you've had a three-day party. When you, and forgive me if, you, uh, if you, uh, you are single. This is talking a little bit about marriage. I can't avoid it, I'm afraid, in Song of Songs. But actually, an Israelite wedding was a full week of singing and celebration. And so wine would be served... Music would start, singers would sing, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. That would have been sung at the start of an Israelite wedding. And day after day after day, there would have been celebration, music, song and wine. It was set to music. And this song is not prudish, those of you who know it. Nor is it immodest. So the song has got this beautiful balance It's got adult content, but it's teenage appropriate. It isn't X-rated, it's PG. This is, is, as I said, a hot book. You're meant to feel the flame. Now, why am I bringing this today? It's because we're to feel the flame of his love. Though we're to take it on two levels. Yes, we could talk about Christian marriage today, but actually, I want to stay true to your series. I want to talk about the flame of God's heart for you and me. This is a passionate book. You're meant to feel his passion. And interestingly, the bride, the Shulmite woman, she's the star of the song. She she speaks for approximately 50% of these eight chapters. He speaks, the bridegroom speaks about 30% of the time. And uh, she's not passive. She isn't weak. She boldly invites intimacy. And if you want a strap line for the Song of Songs, you could say this invitation to intimacy. That's what God's calling you into in baptism in the Holy Spirit. Invitation to intimacy. In John chapter 14, Jesus says, I will come and make my home in your heart. And you've heard that in previous sermons. How's that for intimate? He's that close to you, he's closer than a whisper away. And this bride. She's a gal. She starts by feeling insecure. If you look through chapter one, um, she will say, My brother sent me out into the vineyard, and the sun has got to me, and uh, I'm unattractive. Don't look at me, don't look at me, she says. And yet, as the bridegroom's love makes her more and more bold, she becomes very confident and secure in his love by the end of chapter eight. But look how this book starts. Look how this song starts. It's explosive. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Now that's the song in the wedding, but it's this invitation to intimacy that speaks so deeply to us. And in a a sense, if you think about a kiss, it's it's lip to lip. And the ancient church fathers who taught unashamed and unafraid about this hot book, they would say, this is proof of the incarnation to come. That Jesus will come as the Son of God in the flesh. And that you can touch him. You can hold him. You can embrace him. You can eat a meal with him. And a kiss is tactile. And the kisses of his mouth now are spiritual, if you like. He's not walking around in Palestine. His spirit is everywhere. But it's like an incarnational thing. He's that close. It's a beautiful start. An invitation that the bridegroom wishes to kiss the bride. The kisses of Jesus to his church so we mustn't be embarrassed by this this is amazing, this invitation to come and understand that his love is better than wine and so we go deeper we look in this book, in this song to our relationship with Jesus we are the bride and we are not to be silent or shy either, can I just say this to you for next weekend don't be shy or silent she's not Look at the way it starts. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. We are called to be bold in our relationship with Jesus, inviting the lover of our souls into our lives. This is uh, something which we hear so little about in terms of uh, preaching on this book. It's one of my favourite books. I love wisdom literature. The Song of Song knocks about with, with wisdom literature like Proverbs, Job, ecclesiastes song of songs Uh, there's so much for us to learn at a practical level in marriage but also in our relationship with him and so the church fathers would preach that this song was like nothing else in the bible the language is different from any other part of scripture because every single reference point in the bible whichever book you look at in the bible will point in some way to jesus this song is no different and so, hidden in plain sight is Jesus in this song, which we'll now look at. It will lead us to him. It is what one commentator called boldly Christological. So, let's see if we can find that. In chapter 1, verse 3, and just go a little bit further, Hugh. Okay. Uh, Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name is like perfume poured out. Now, what does that remind you of? in the new testament it's so reminiscent of mary in john's gospel in chapter 12 where she anoints jesus for his burial and it says this the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume ephesians chapter 5 verse 2 walk in the way of love just as christ loved us and gave himself up as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to god it's all there in the old testament the new is in the old the old is in the new and this song reads me. I don't read it. In other words, this song is searching my heart, saying, how shy are you going to be with me, says the love of God. It's asking me about my willingness to open my heart to him, Jesus, who loves me with a pure love. Now, we know of marriages where it has not, sadly, always been the case. And we have a mixed understanding sometimes of what married love is but the bridegroom here is completely and totally committed to my welfare this is jesus the head of the church and he will bring me safely home to his side to the marriage supper of the lamb in revelation so this points forward points to the future and that's where we're headed ultimately the song of songs is eschatological It's pointing ahead to the great banquet that you are invited to. You are invited to your own wedding, to the bridegroom who loves you with a passion. So there's no gradual introduction to this song. It doesn't warn you of what's ahead. Just as Hughes brought up this first verse, this is the Bible. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. You have to read it and understand it. It's shocking how the song starts. All scripture is... Is good for teaching and preaching and exhortation and rebuking and encouraging. The famous vicar of Holy Trinity Church, Cambridge, was a a very fine Anglican preacher, and he said this: the abruptness with which the song opens is very remarkable. (laughs) Very British, isn't it? This is this. Probably an Italian preacher wouldn't start like that. And so. It's deemed so remarkable that the first century Jewish rabbis warned young men in their congregations not to read the song until they were 30 years old. And so this kiss is not a formal kiss on a king's signet ring. This isn't like a kiss of of peace, you know, greet each other with a holy kiss in the New Testament. No, this is a romantic kiss, This is meant to be intoxicating. For your love is more delightful than wine. Now we're into Holy Spirit territory. When the Holy Spirit comes on people, sometimes they start to feel something. Maybe you've already felt a sense of, my goodness, I feel my strength is... I'm losing my strength. My knees are beginning to buckle a little when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Maybe that's your experience. Maybe not. Maybe you you've never felt that but you've been you woke up the next morning and felt just different inside it's different for different people but this is intoxicating language it's all about wine it's about you know acts chapter two these men are not drunk as you suppose the love of god is is has a like a wine effect in that it is going to gladden your heart this is something that's going to change me deep on the inside and the woman says She goes from wine to name very quickly. Your name is like perfume poured out. And names are very important in the old and the new. Uh, His name is beautiful. The bridegroom, Jesus, his beautiful reputation, his noble character. This is also attractive to the bride. And so his kisses, his perfume, his character, they all overwhelm her. Let's be overwhelmed again by the Holy Spirit. Let's be profoundly changed in our hearts. Ezekiel chapter 36 talks about some heart transplant. We had hearts of stone, says Ezekiel in chapter 36. Sometimes you've needed to have a heart of stone because you've been hurt by people in your past. And you've, you've, it's a bit like this, the, the grit in the oyster shell. You've had to cover your hurting heart with a protective layer like mother of pearl in an oyster shell and gradually your hearts become stony and then you don't let anyone come near you and you distrust love and you don't ever want to make yourself vulnerable again. And then along comes Ezekiel prophesying Way back in the Old Testament, about the promise of the Father, which will happen in Acts chapter 2 later. And the promise of the Father is that you will have open heart surgery and that He will take out of you your heart of stone and He will put into you a warm and beating heart that can love again, that can forgive again, that can worship again, that can be patient again, that can go the distance with difficult people again. You're going to have a heart transplant when you become a Christian. And this is all here. The bride is overwhelmed by his kisses, his perfume, his character. And what's her response? Hurry up and take me away, says the bride to the bridegroom. I told you this was a hot book. (laughs) All right? She can't wait for the bridal chamber. And it's interesting, when you go to Ephesians chapter 5, and Paul talks about marriage, he says, husbands, love your wives. And then... (laughs) and you know he talks about marriage there but then without even explaining himself he goes on to say as christ loved the church he expects his listeners to understand that as for marriage it's for christ and the church he doesn't even explain it husbands love your wives oh it's all about christ and the church marriage is all about christ and the church and here it is in song of songs and her response is the response that i want to have myself i don't want my heart to grow hard Don't let me go all protective and hidden, hiding away from you, Lord. I don't want to do that. This bride has waited all her life for this moment, her wedding day. And we must keep looking forward because this life is not what it's all about. Love not the world. Don't fix all your ambition on this world. You are going forward into the future, which is rushing up to meet you. Are you ready to meet the bridegroom? Because his heart is one full of passion and compassion for you this morning. Feel the flames. Dwell in the fire. And just as intimacy, if you're married, with your spouse is a reliable indicator of the health of your marriage, so too your desire for intimacy with Christ is a reasonable and reliable indicator of your spiritual health. Hear that. How much do you want him? Such a beautiful challenge. But he loved you first, and your sins are for completely forgiven at the cross. Boldly approach again. Your sins are completely forgiven at the cross." Here's an old hymn: "My eyes are dry, my faith is old. My heart is hard, my prayers are cold." And I know how I ought to be, alive to you and dead to me. But what can be done for an old heart like mine? Soften it up with oil and wine. The oil is you, your spirit of love. Please wash me anew with the wine of your blood. That's where your head is as a church. I salute you, I applaud you for the pathway you've chosen for your preaching series. But you've got to receive. You've got to keep on receiving. It's no good for people to come and go in this sermon series and talk about it. I remember in the previous church, I remember God saying to me, Sunshine, you are not just going to talk about this, you are going to offer this, aren't you? We need to offer the laying on of hands to each other. That you might feel the flames of his love again. What does it mean to be kissed by God? The Christ, the, the Christ is the kiss of God to the world. A kiss is a metaphor for the deepest things that God wants to give to the human spirit. That Welsh Revival famous song, do you remember it? Here is love vast as the ocean. Oh, it's difficult to read it to you. I feel the Holy Spirit in the room, powerfully right now. On the Mount of Crucifixion, fountains opened deep and wide. Through the floodgates of God's mercy flowed the vast and gracious tide. Grace and love like mighty rivers poured incessant from above. Heaven's peace and perfect justice kissed a guilty world. In love. This is the love of Jesus to his people in the Song of Songs, the bride to the, the bridegroom to the bride. And, it in, and the whole Bible ends with this intense desire on the part of the church that the Lord Jesus should come back to her. Is it not remarkable that just as the last verse of the Bible has this note in it, the last line, can you, can you do a very clever thing now? Can you go to chapter eight, to the very last Verse of Song of Songs. You can find it, in chapter eight, in Song of Songs. Before Hugh finds it for you, here it is: "Come away, my lover, and be like a gazelle or a young stag spice-laden mountains." The last book of the Bible and the last verse of Song of Songs is exactly the same. They're both saying. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Now, this is what I want to say to you, and I would say it back to my friends in Eastbourne. How how hot is that desire to long for his presence? We're so we're so have such a low opinion of ourselves. We have such a false assessment of who we are in Christ. You are perfect in his eyes. Don't you know Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14? Those he made perfect, he is sanctifying. You can have your cake and eat it. In, in his eyes, you are perfect. By the blood of Jesus, you're not going to make it in your own righteousness, but you are being sanctified through the whole of life. You get hung up about your sins, but he sees you as the end product. You're beautiful. Oh, if only I had more time to preach on the Song of Songs. The bride, bridegroom says, you are perfect, there is no flaw in you. Do you believe that's how Jesus feels about you this morning? There is no flaw in you. Your sins are completely forgiven. (coughs) Come away. And then the bride starts to realise the security and the confidence she has in his love. She's no longer the shy girl in chapter one. Look at her at the end. Come away with me. Come away with me. And the the whole Bible shouts to the end saying, Lord Jesus, Maranatha, come Lord. And the bride and the spirit are working together. And I long for those church days when we're going to see that happen. When the whole church is revived and we're we're all shouting, Amen, come Lord Jesus. That every coal is burning brightly. Oh God, bring it on. Can you find chapter 8 where it says it is um, verse 5, Hugh? Who is this? Chapter 8, verse 5. Who is this coming up from the wilderness leaning on her beloved? And this is the bride leaning on her beloved. Now, if you're going through lean times at the moment, what I find amazing is that we often find we're able to lean on him when we're in the wilderness. And we find, God, I've, got only, I've only got you. I'm in real trouble. I've got no signposts for my life. The desert, the wilderness, is a place where there's no, you don't understand where you're going. You're, you're craving signs and indication of where, you know, which, which way do I go, and you don't know. And all you've got is a heartfelt cry to God, God, lead me through my wilderness. But what I find so wonderful about this last chapter of Song of Songs is that the bride is feeling the wonderful blessing of the bridegroom's love, and she's still leaning on him. Mm -hmm. So in other words, when you're going through a time of blessing, that's when your prayers stop and you stop reading the Bible, don't you? Well, I have done that. You know, I think, I'm doing fine here without you, God. Actually, this beautiful woman, this Shulamite woman, she's leaning on her beloved in a time of unimaginable blessing. That's where we want the church. That we don't blow hot and cold. Yeah. That when we're even going through wonderful times, we just say, Lord, I bless your holy name, you're amazing. Yeah. I stay hot for you when I'm in the wilderness when I'm in plenty. Yeah. So she's now leaning on her beloved at the end of the song. So she's depending on him with genuine vulnerability. And that's what your sermon series is all about. You know that in your own flesh you can't do anything, but in Christ's spirit in you that vulnerability to his power makes you able to do all things in faversham amen all things you can preach the gospel you can go into the streets you can build your life groups you can we can witness boldly to your neighbors in the vulnerability knowing that lord i need you i need you every hour of the day bring me to the discovery of my own inadequacies please lord why are you arranging circumstances in my life so that it's obvious that you are my only source of supply? That's what the bride has learned by the end of chapter 8. Are you learning that? Running alongside this sermon series is you need to realise your own vulnerability. Mm-hmm. I can't do it without you, God. I need your Holy Spirit in me. So if you are feeling depleted, wonderful. <laughs> if you're feeling unbusted, wonderful. If you're feeling, you don't know what I'm really like, Wonderful, because Jesus does and he loves you with the hottest flames of passion. Jesus is looking for a bride who voluntarily remains in her weakness. So even as she feels the power of the Holy Spirit on her. This is how Jesus walked with God on earth. He voluntarily chose to submit His strength and resources to the Holy Spirit in weakness. He said, I only do what the Father tells me to do. He had power in his body. When the woman reached forward, the woman with the issue of blood, she touched his cloak, he felt power come out of him. He could have have done a Spider Man, you know, and he could have, you know, sent a thunderbolt, but he had power residing in him, yet he submitted that power to what the Father was telling him to do. And so, Rather than use them to establish himself in strength in natural things, Jesus is our role model to remain voluntarily vulnerable to him. Amen? Amen. And so, uh, let me start to close now. This is the language of personal love. The bridegroom is asking the bride, and the bride is asking the bridegroom, can you go to verse 6 here, chapter 8? says this, place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal over your arm. I want covenant relationship, is what she's effectively saying. So a seal, let's just think about that, because that's all about the Holy Spirit. The seal would be a unique mark to show the man's identity. You know the king's signet ring, squeezed into hot wax, put onto an envelope? The king has set his seal And the King, Jesus, has set his seal of love on you and me. This seal comes close to the word covenant. It's a defined and revealed relationship with God. That's what you've got with him. So so to seal this love, the bride, that's you and me, is saying this. I want to be identified with your very identity, Lord Jesus. I want the relationship between me and you to be as intimate and as inseparable and as distinctive as the seal that marks who you are, Lord Jesus, your identity. So I get your identity sealed in me. How can he do that? He does that by the power of the Holy Spirit. Have hands laid on you. Be filled again with the Holy Spirit. You have the seal of his love, promised, pledged love. I plight thee my troth, If I knew what that meant, I'd tell you. Uh, Troth is something to do with some old Anglo-Saxon word meaning, I'm yours forever. Do you believe that about his pledged love to you? I love this last chapter. Look at verse 6. Hugh, keep with me, mate. You've just got to shimmy your way through this. You're keeping cool, under pressure. Well done, mate. There's no sweat on his brow. Keep him close to that machine. Okay, right? Okay, look at verse 6b. Love... This is one, one of those passages which was preached at weddings. Can I just have a quick show of hands? Anyone had this, this bit at their wedding a long time ago or recently? It's a classic wedding uh, uh, preach, okay? Verse 6b says talks about love as strong as death, okay? Love as strong as death. Death is the closest thing that we can think of when we consider how strong love is. Now think this through with me. It burns like blazing fire. So love is likened to death and fire. Fire in the Old Testament was always linked to God. You think about the burning bush where Moses encounters God for the very first time. It's as fire. This is God fire. It is inextinguishable. And if you notice at the bottom of your footnote, if you've got NIV, where it says, like a mighty flame, like a blazing fire, in my footnote, in my NIV, it says, the very flame of the Lord. I wonder if it says that in your Bible. In other words, we're talking about Pentecost. Here, hidden in plain sight, is a mighty flame of love. And guess what? 120 people... 3,000 years later, this was written the 1000 BC, Song of Songs by King Solomon. 3,000 years later, there are tongues of fire above people's heads in the upper room at Pentecost. Sealing them with the mark of the King's love, covenant love. Isn't this exciting? Yeah. And Jesus, why is it linked to death? Because Jesus knows that death conquers all living human beings. I'm afraid, guys, I've got something to tell you, that death so far has a 100% success rate. Okay, and I'm afraid it's going to happen to me, and I think unless the Lord comes back to Fabersham, hallelujah, all right, it's going to happen here, and we're going to to meet death. But Jesus has conquered death. Jesus is a match for death. And so he went down into death and conquered it. His love is stronger than death. This is an analogy. We're searching for analogy. It's says, the stronger than death. Jesus is love. It's jealousy unyielding as the grave. I, love, I haven't got time to talk about jealousy, but it's as fierce as death. The way he feels about you. You know what it's like. You feel about if you've got grandkids. You just want to grab hold. I've got. I now have eleven grandchildren, and uh, between us, we've got fifteen grandchildren. haven't we? It's uh, it's crazy. So, and when you You know, when you love and you want to hold and embrace. I'll never forget John Wimber. Uh, I said this on Shepherd, didn't I? I I can't remember. John Wimber, do you remember the late great John Wimber? He would say I love my grandchildren, he'd hold his grandchildren tight close to him and he would would say I love the smell of babies' heads, he would say Wow, the smell of my grandchildren. Not everything about babies is nice to smell, I would say, but basically what we've got here is a jealous God who wants to draw you to himself. It's a fierce. Love that he feels for you. Many waters cannot quench love, verse 7, Hugh. Rivers cannot sweep it away. Even going through the deep waters of death, Jesus comes up from the grave. He goes down into these waters and proves stronger than death. This love is as strong and stronger than death. Why am I saying these things? Because what the Holy Spirit will do is make you bold. You may still be an introvert. If you're an introvert, that's cool. That's a God-given... Your, your personality is God-given. You're an extrovert, you're an introvert. That's neutral. Your character, he's interested in, shaping you for the rest of your life. But you might be an extrovert, you might be an introvert. Whether you speak things softly, or if you're a gob, all right, and you're loud, it doesn't matter. But whatever else you are, God will make you bolder yep. to be able... Even if you're just on a one-to-one with your neighbour to begin to explain the hope that you have within you and to be freer in worship and to do things for the first time that you've never done before. We want a lovesick church again. Can I say that? A lovesick church. Earlier on in Song of Songs, the bride says this, I am faint with love that's the Holy Spirit once or twice in my life I've felt the power of the Spirit coming upon me and I've swooned I wonder if you've had that experience I don't go chasing these experiences because that sometimes puts people off sometimes you hear about these amazing stories and you think oh it's never going to happen to me and sometimes that's quite unhelpful to hear about people's amazing experiences But every now and again God wants to kiss you I think I said this I say this on Shepherd because shepherd, it reminds me of something. I'm trying to keep away from my shepherd notes so you don't have to hear it twice, okay? Sometimes I don't even remember, I'm gonna say this anyway. Maybe when you were a teenager, I'm gonna risk this, you can cut this out when you edit the talk, okay? Maybe your first kiss. You may have felt a bit dizzy. The swoon of a kiss from your, from a lover. And that's what God wants to do, sometimes you feel like swooning. This is biblical. This is, this is the kiss of God. You must know that he loves you. That's what Pete and Sam and Mike are trying to bring. You must know this. You're not going to make it unless you know he's loveful. for you. Not the person sitting next to You. You. Let him lead me to his banqueting hall. Don't worry, Hugh, I don't have to find this. Let his banner over me be love. This is Song of Songs. I am faint with love. All my aching and longing for home one day will be over. I find as I get older, I don't know how you feel, I didn't feel it when I was in my teens and twenties. I thought I was immortal. When you get older, you begin to realise that I'm longing for his appearing. I never thought I'd feel like that. I used to feel afraid of Jesus. I felt a day late and a dollar short. I don't feel like that now. I've grasped grace. I've grasped the fact that he's truly made me new inside. Yes, I'm scared of the actual act of dying. I don't want to, like Woody Allen said, I don't want to be there when it happens. But actually, I'm going to meet Jesus and he's going to say to me, well done sunshine Clive welcome home I want to say to you well done good and faithful servant you might think that doesn't mean you he actually wants to say that over you well done Hugh, sorry I'll pick on that because you're one of the few people Joan. I don't remember some names here well done Joan. good and faithful servant he wants to say that over you let your heart be warmed this morning let me come into land now Here's the desire of the nations. As I said this at the beginning when Sam asked me the question, I've seen things I thought I would never see. People from Peshawar in northern Pakistan weeping at the love of Jesus, standing next to an Indian guy at Kashmir, weeping in the love of God, but they were shooting each other back in Kashmir. The love of God breaks down all barriers. I want us to say with the song. Make haste my beloved, make haste. And so when you come to next weekend, I want you to be very brave and make your heart very vulnerable to his love. He is good and altogether lovely. And we're to call out for him for his return. So maybe one or two of you have been a bit out in the wilderness, you're beginning to come back after COVID and your heart's a bit cold and I'm speaking directly to you. You feel, and you know, if you're saying to yourself, "I used to love you better than I did, Lord Jesus. I used to trust you more than I do at the moment." Maranatha, make haste, my beloved, and come back to me. When we're talking about the different stages of life, from adolescence through young adulthood into middle age and old age, in the end, whether we know it or not. All these struggles through our early years, all the decades of our lives, are about one thing, finding our way back home again. Where's your true home? It's in the love of Christ. That's where you live. One of my favourite authors, Henry Nowen, says the whole of your life is all about moving from the house of fear to the house of love. That's That's what you're doing. You're moving gradually from the house of fear to the house of love. Let me sum it up and I'll stop now. This is from Charlie Cleverley's commentary again. The woman, the bride, the church, in this song has proclaimed, My beloved is outstanding among ten thousand. She has come out of the desert, leaning on her beloved. They make a glorious team. She knows the romance of going into the fields with her beloved. The fire of love within her has not been extinguished by the many waters that she has travelled through she has her lover's seal on her heart and on her arm and now here she is at the end of the song longing yearning for his return over the spice laden mountains she calls out to him to come back to her may we too learn to love the bridegroom May we be in love with the beloved. May we in this generation find our voice to express this love and to speak about him. May it also ring out in heaven as we sing and call out make haste my beloved. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit to sing such songs. We are never more authentic When the Holy Spirit fills our hearts with love for Him. Amen. Can I pray, please? i grab them. Thanks. Let's just make our response now, okay? And I'm, dear friends, I'm preaching to myself as well. I really am. this is a beautiful moment i'm so proud of you guys here being so bold as to do this sermon series this is not for the faint-hearted because you don't want to weep in front of other people one of my friends used to call it snot church you know when the holy spirit comes in you start blubbing and someone says please has someone got a tissue Forgive that rather vulgar expression, but it sums up that when the Holy Spirit comes on, he gets to your heart. And you're undone. And you realize that he's got through all your defenses with love, not punishment, not fear, with love. And you think, oh God, why did I construct such sophisticated defenses? Why did I not let myself be known by my brothers and sisters in this church why was I always hiding? Lord Jesus, come to this wonderful community church and continue to build it as a community of the Holy Spirit. Favisham Community of the Holy Spirit. Come, Lord. Only you can do this. Thank you, Lord, that I can't whip this up. Thank you, Lord, that I can't manipulate this. Thank you, Lord, that it's all up to you to come to receptive hearts and to touch people again and touch them in their bodies Lord will you even now touch them in their bodies touch them in their hearts touch some in their memories even as I've been speaking there have been some painful memories coming up to the surface come Holy Spirit just touch those painful memories, those sadnesses. Oh God, it might have been about marriage. It might have been about rejection. A love that you couldn't trust. And here's Clive talking about covenant love and that's not been your experience. Lord we love you when we see you at the cross you were in Gethsemane and it nearly killed you The, the gospel account says that you fell to your knees and you said that your soul was up to the point of death Gethsemane nearly killed you not the cross when you saw what lay ahead and yet you carried me in your heart to the cross you thought of me and you carried me in your heart because you loved me with a passion stronger than death Lord Jesus will we worship you yeah. I pray now for my dear friends here that as they drink of you they will be changed I pray for that any hearts of stone will be become hearts of flesh warm, beautiful, beating hearts So that you're really you without having to dissemble or hide. At last I feel free. I can be myself because of the confidence I have in this love of being loved. So do what you want to do, Lord, through the rest of this sermon series. Pray especially for Grantley and Floss and for the church here to drink deeply at the bar of the Holy Spirit. Make mine a double. I want a treble. Let me drink deeply of you again, Lord Jesus. Let not be afraid of you, but come boldly to the throne of grace and drink of you afresh. In Jesus' name. Amen.